Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hello, everybody. I'm so excited to be here tonight. I have to tell you, what an incredible crowd, incredible evening, what an incredible shutdown. Was that amazing? Was that incredible? The longest shutdown in the history of shutdowns. Even my shutdowns are the greatest. They're the greatest. Really incredible. It is truly a great honor for you to have me here tonight. Now, I've been getting tremendous crowds every place I go. And tonight, here in Los Angeles, it's no different. Los Angeles. I just found out that Los Angeles is Hispanic. It's Hispanic. I had no idea. I had no idea. It means city of angels. No one talks about that. No one talks about that. Now, my secret service detail told me there's over 5,000 people here tonight and 2,000 are waiting to get in outside. In the snow, in the snow. But the press, the press, terrible people, the press, scum. They're really scum. They're in the back. They're not going to turn the cameras around, are they? No, they're not going to do that. They're going to say it's a couple of hundred people at a podcast show. Lies, all lies. Fake news. Fake news. As you probably heard, I'm not taking intelligence briefings anymore. I'm not taking intelligence briefings. And here's why. I work, for the, I work from the gut. I work from the gut. I don't need intelligence. I don't need intelligence. I don't want intelligence. Don't bring intelligence near me, okay? <laughs> now, I know this is a very diverse crowd tonight here at my rally, but I just want to do a little poll. Just do a little poll. By a round of applause, who here in 2016 voted for crooked Hillary Clinton? By a round of applause. Wow, absolutely nobody. You could hear a pin drop. That's crazy. Okay, who in 2016 voted for me to make America great again? Oh, that's fantastic. They're calling me their boo. Wow. That's great. That's tremendous. That's tremendous. Well, I want to talk about the wall very quickly, very quickly. It's going to be an incredible wall, an amazing wall, like, like, like the one in China. By the way, China's killing us. They're absolutely killing us. Chinese are terrible people, terrible people. Great takeout, terrible people. <laughs> and the Democrats say the wall is medieval. I don't care if it's early evil, medieval, late evil. I want a wall. I want a wall. I visited Nancy Pelosi's office on Capitol Hill. Guess what? Walls. There's walls. <laughs> she is walls. I want a wall. And I will shut down every Taco Bell until we get one. Because that's how they get the money back to Mexico. A lot of people don't know that. A lot of people don't know that. But we're going to go for maximum wallage. Maximum wallage. And I want all my supporters here tonight, all two of them, I want you to know, don't worry about this Mueller investigation. Nothing's going to happen. They keep saying impeached, impeached. It's not going to happen. I'm not going to be impeached. And by the way, by the way, why impeach? 
Why a peach? Why not an apple or a pear? I'm impaired. That makes so much more sense. I'm impaired. It's true. It's true. But I want to thank the Trump cast people for inviting me out tonight and paying me my $5 million presidential speaking fee, which I don't need, by the way, because I'm rich. I'm rich. I'm really, really rich. Believe me. Believe me. So I'm going to take that money and I'm going to donate it to a tremendous charity that's helped so many people. It's called Billionaires Without Borders. It makes it possible for billionaires and high-end millionaires. You see that? I'm very inclusive. I'm very inclusive. Makes it possible for billionaires and millionaires to travel the world without coming in contact with unattractive or poor people. Because who wants to be around poor people? They have no money. They have no money. So right now, we are going to bring out the hosts of Trump Cast Live. Are you ready? Make some noise for him. First up. Virginia Heffernan. There she is. She's very attractive, very attractive. Doesn't she look like Ivanka? She looks like Ivanka. I hate that I'm, I'm flattered not by that. I'm not kidding. Next up, Jamel Bowie. Jamel Bowie. And number three, Leon Krauss. My favorite Hispanic. My favorite Hispanic. <laughs> all right. You three have a tremendous show, and thank all of you. You people were absolutely incredible. Thank you. Thank you. Hello, and welcome to Trumpcast. This show, as you may know, was started by Jacob Weisberg, so we are continuing the incredible tradition he started before the primary of making a small podcast about this crazy candidate for the nomination, the Republican nomination, and the fact that we still have jobs is something. <laughs> the cast has changed around a little bit. I've been with the show a long time, and we've had Jamel Bowie for a long time, and he's been wonderful. He is leaving us, and so I think this is your last Trumpcast appearance. I mean, possibly. And he's already started, well, I'll have you as a guest, but already started at the New York Times as a columnist, as an op-ed columnist, which is fantastic. Thank you. And Leon Krause joins us with a distinguished history as a journalist. He's been a guest on the show many times, and now he's started hosting himself. And I think his shows, not just because of the accent, but I think some of his shows are some of the best. Thank you, yeah. Virginia. Welcome to Los Angeles, <laughs> Los Angeles, California. So did you guys see this Jeff Bezos news? I actually want to hear how many, like, make some noise if you did. Okay. All right. Because I am floored. I can't, I actually had trouble concentrating because I've been nothing, doing nothing but thinking about how the richest man in the world, although Bill Browder, who's a guest on the show, sometimes says Vladimir Putin and Jeff Bezos have the same amount of money. I think it's $500 billion. Um, it's a 200 billion, sorry. You know, it's a gazillion. I mean, um, once, you, <laughs> once you're at that point, what's a billion, what's a billion? That's you know? right. 
So Jeff Bezos published a story in Medium today, or a, a, a sort of letter to the world, saying that he'd been extorted by American media, which owns the National Enquirer. Jeff Bezos has gone through this big divorce, and the National Enquirer has leaked some very banal sexts that he and his girlfriend exchanged adulterously, but not especially interestingly. But <laughs> the National Enquirer has a little bit more on him, apparently, or they say they do, namely a list of photographs. So they have these photographs. A long list of photographs. Uh, what right? are they? A long list of photographs. A long list of photographs. Yeah, yeah I think it's, well, it may, like 9, 11, That's something long. like that. That's long. And, you know, they're not photographs of him playing sports with his children. One of them is described as a photograph of his, quote, manhood. That is a legal letter, his manhood. Okay. So anyway, <laughs> they have a list of photographs. They're sexy, sex. Some of them are shirtless and so on. And they are going to publish those photographs if he doesn't walk back an investigation that he started into the National Enquirer's political interests. Its ties to Trump are well known. He's done this catch and kill thing with Trump to silence his mistresses. This is David Pecker just saying David Pecker. <sighs> Try not to make obvious jokes. And we know that Pecker and, and Trump have been in cahoots, but what's weirder still is that Pecker has been doing some whitewashing for the Saudis and is, has ties through Trump to various Saudis. Okay, some of you who've been paying attention, I know that's all of you, know why the Saudis and Bezos would have competing interests. Because Jamal Khashoggi, the American resident and journalist for the Washington Post, owned by Bezos, was tortured and murdered at the behest of Mohammed bin Salman of Saudi Arabia in the Saudi embassy in Istanbul. So criticism of the Saudi government is something that the Washington Post has embraced because they lost their reporter, right? So when they see Saudi Arabia being whitewashed, in the, understandably, Bezos has gotten furious about it, so he started this, this investigation into their political angle. So, and also, as we know, Trump already hates Bezos and is always gunning for him. So of course they're going to be publishing stuff about him. So to silence him, they sent him a list of the photographs they were going to show. And Bezos, I don't know what you think about him otherwise, but he did do the David Letterman thing. He did the thing of calling the bluff of your blackmailers and just saying, this is what they say about me. He lists the photographs, you know, in the, that, that exist, but says nothing else about them. And that he is, you know, he's not going to knuckle under to it, but he's calling them out on extortion. So in my mind, this has all the elements of this master story of our Trump times, which is the tabloid stuff, the, the Stormy Daniels stuff, the sexy stuff, the, the penis, okay? Right? It's just Jeff Bezos' penis is in this thing. All right, that's that part. The middle part is the suppression of the press. I mean, this is as bad as it gets. Like, at one point they say, your representative, the Washington Post, should deny that the the National Enquirer, you know, has political agenda. Your representative, you know, the Washington Post is not an organ that represents Jeff Bezos. Organ, ugh, what's wrong with me? Um, and that, so that's the second thing. And the third thing is conspiracy with hostile foreign powers that, you know, possibly Jamal Khashoggi's murder has been covered up and whitewashed and shifted around by Jared Kushner, we know, who was called in to cover for his bromance relationship to, called in by Mohammed bin Salman to help him weather the storm. And we know that he was, Mohammed bin Salman said he was going to put a bullet in the head of Jamal Khashoggi a year ago. And that's right when he was palling around with Jared Kushner. 
that's that thing. And then that this weird David Pecker is somewhere in the middle of it. So anyway, it's an incredible document that Jeff Bezos has written. It gives us a lot to talk about. And with that, I want to turn it over to what both of you make of this newest installation in the Trump catastrophe. <laughs> so there's uh, some new, re- I guess, reporting. Um, the investigator that Bezos hired suggested that, this is very recently, yeah. um, suggested that it's possible that AMI got their information from a government agency, that um, it's, it's that information about him from a government agency. And so some someone in the national security agencies or, or whomever, perhaps from the behest of the president or one of the president's deputies, um, uh, was able to get information about private assistance to, to AMI. Which, you know, if, if true, um, whoa, if true, and, <laughs> and if true would, would be a very big deal. It would be the kind of thing that presidents get impeached for, which is a long way of saying that the funniest thing in the world and the completely fitting thing from the, for the age of Trump will be if this all topples down because of some rich guy's dick. Um, that would be uh, a different rich guy a different rich guy no less we Uh, expected the other rich guy I don't know if you call it poetic justice I mean it's poetic in a sense but it would be absolutely perfect as a Mexican journalist I get asked all the time whether or not I'm optimistic about the United States and I always answer yes Hmm. I'm, I'm an optimistic Trumpcast host. And, and there are many reasons why I'm optimistic about the immediate future of the country. One of the reasons, especially when I compare it to Latin America, which is another conversation, but one, one of the reasons is certainly how healthy, how independent the press is. And when I see Bezos pushing back against blackmail, honestly, it gives me hope because mm. it reflects on the way the Washington Post has behaved vis a vis Trump and power and the New York Times. And that's one of the reasons why I'm optimistic about the United States. There, there are a bunch of others, the, the, the state of the opposition, how healthy the Democratic Party is. I mean, the, just the fact that there are so many people there vying for the Democratic nomination. Uh, Jamel has written b- brilliantly ab- about it recently. And even satire, you know, the mm-hmm. fact that in the United States we can have someone like John come on a show like this and just do this kind of satire and every night Colbert and... and, and and uh, Fallon Lesso and uh, Seth Meyers just go at the president mm-hmm. full on. You would think that's normal, but that's yeah. not normal. In, in, in other parts of the world, it doesn't happen. So I take this whole Bezos experience at the fact that he was courageous enough to actually come out and say, I am not going to give in to blackmail, uh, and we are going to keep doing what we're doing, me personally as a businessman, but obviously he's, t- he's speaking in a way for the Washington Post mm-hmm. because he's the owner of it. And he mentions it. I think it's reason for optimism. I, I yeah. will. I will say real quickly that if you're Jeff Bezos, if you're the richest man on the planet, okay, you got you got you got a picture of my dick, <laughs> <laughs> right? Exactly. Right? Yeah. It's like it's like what? Are you, okay, you're gonna release it. Okay. Oh no, everyone knows what my dick looks like. I still have. <laughs> I still have $150 billion. It's also, <laughs> presumably, he was courting his mistress, so presumably it's a flattering shot. Right, right, right. I mean, so, <laughs> yeah. Um, so, I, 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 it's just funny to me that, like, if you're going to try to blackmail Jeff Bezos, you want to you really step up your game, right? <laughs> um, you better have pictures of Jeff Bezos, like, I don't know, like, hunting people on an island. Yes, yeah. yeah. 
but if it's anything less than the most dangerous game. <laughs> plus, plus you sh we should mention that Jeff Bezos now works out. I mean, <laughs> right. pre previously he was just yeah. very weak, no, but now he's, uh, he's, he's ripped. He's such so, that this was the period. That so, it, yeah, yeah, exactly. He's actually looking forward to it <laughs> in a way, maybe. Who knows? <laughs> well, let me modify this. If you Could don't be. have a photo of Jeff Bezos shirtless, like choking someone to death. <laughs> right, exactly. <laughs> then don't bother. Yeah, no. <laughs> um, he does start out by saying, someone tried to make me an offer I can't refuse, but I could refuse it. And no one ever has before. Because the thing we know about him is how rich he is. So really other interesting little detail, and I hadn't known this thing that Jamel just told us, which is that the investigator now says it might have been through government sources he got this, which is, you know, very chilling. But the investigator's name stood out to me. I don't know if anyone else recognized it. His name is Gavin DeBecker. He's not a private eye. He's apparently who you would hire if, he's, he, in fact, he's, if money were no object. I mean, Jeff Bezos at some point says, budget is no concern to Gavin DeBecker in investigating this thing. Of Gavin DeBecker not. wrote a book called The Gift of Fear. Did anyone read it or see it? Yeah, it's really interesting. And fear, I mean, clearly he's the guy you would get to steady you. And basically what the letter says, and Leon was saying he thinks it's very well written, and I'm sure Gavin helped him, is that I'm not afraid. And I'm not afraid because I have a lot of money. I'm not afraid because I have a great reputation. I'm not afraid because these photos are trivial. I'm not afraid because I'm not worried about my reputation. I'm not worried. Because and I shouldn't be afraid because the way you, you, you should confront this sort of attitude. I mean, you confront tyranny. You don't appease tyr yes. uh, tyranny. But, uh, he, but it's almost, uh, it's almost, and I don't know if you, what well, you think about this, but we've imagined that Lindsey Graham and that some others, possibly Pence, that Trump has something on them, that he works along these extortion lines and that they're falling in line and the way they repeat strange things. I mean, I think Jerry Falwell Jr. just said he was the greatest president since George Washington. Um, wait, wait. Yeah. <laughs> sorry, yeah, sorry. Uh, Blowing past Abe Lincoln. Um, I mean, you yeah, know. It, it doesn't, yeah. Wait, sorry to interrupt. I'm just, that's the, that's the, the craziest thing I've ever heard. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. I mean, maybe in the wig. So we've been waiting for these people in the Senate, the Vichy types, to not be afraid anymore, right? To not be afraid to just cross him. And I think well, uh, there's a template with Bezos. I don't think you're going to see that in the coming years. And I don't know what Jamel thinks, but when, when I saw the State of the Union and the, the ovation, ovation after ovation, when Trump was blatantly lying, I mean, for me, it was particularly distressing to to listen to those, and I counted them, 16 minutes on immigration. It mm. was the most virulent, aggressive speech on immigration he has given, probably since his, that, since his speech in Arizona during the campaign, which was really horrible uh, to listen to. And uh, it was, again, ovation after ovation mm. when, he, when, he, when he described the, the border as this, as this lawless region, very dangerous, dangerous. And oh, every Republican just stood mm. up and ah, roared. It was uh, terrifying. It reminded me of what it felt like for me, again, as a, as a Hispanic journalist, to be at the Republican convention, listening to those chants of lock her up and build a wall. It was like being in a different time and a different country, mm -hmm. uh, to, be, to be very honest. And, and to see that repeated time and time again, and now at the State of the Union, it, it, was, um, it was a sad sight. Yeah. yeah, what's so strange about it all is that you would think that after the midterm elections and the GOP suffers this really um, a meaningful defeat, a 40-seat loss, largest Democratic victory since the Watergate era, 
that that would at least like temper some of mm-hmm. the enthusiasm for the mm-hmm. president, like yeah. a recognition that perhaps things aren't on a solid ground, but right. that, that isn't there. Um, it's as if, you know, for the remaining Republican congressmen that, that the response to um, uh, losing one's majority in, the, in a very dramatic fashion is to kind of just double down on all the things that cause mm-hmm. you to lose the majority. So, I, I mean, you know, during the State of the Union, the, the great applause, it kind of made sense. I, I'm not sure they even know what else to do, mm-hmm. right? Like, if they were to turn on Trump as a group, that doesn't just that doesn't just hurt Trump. It kind of, like, brings the entire Republican Party down. Because Absolutely. all of a sudden, you know, if you are, I don't know, if you're sort of like Matt Gates from Florida. Mm-hmm. I don't I guess that's how you say his name. From Florida, and all of a sudden you are now an opponent of Trump. Everyone's going to be like, "Where were you for the, for the past two or three years?" Mm-hmm, right? Like, mm-hmm. like why why now and not then? And it's easy to imagine the dominoes just kind of falling down, and the result is a kind of complete and total collapse of the Republican Party. And mm-hmm. so there's this sense in which the only thing you can do is clap, right? That like everyone everyone in the Republican Party right now, or at least the the, the lawmakers, it's are, his party. It's his party. It's not just his his yeah. party, but they're sort of like. Yeah, I don't know if you remember during the primaries, Jeb Bush uh, was given a, a um, who uh, a speech. I know <laughs> uh, was given a speech, and he had like a you know applause line, and no one applauded, and he was like, "Please clap." <laughs> oh, he said, "Please clap,", Please clap. <laughs> yes. and, and then everyone dutifully clapped for him. I think a lot of Republican lawmakers are in the position of people who just have to dutifully clap, right? Like just. Trump's presence every day is a please clap, and they don't know what else to do, and so they just clap, and they just but, hope that if they clap loud enough, maybe they'll survive whatever's coming. Yeah. Till, you're terrified till you're not. I mean, I guess that's the thing that I got from Bezos, is every whistleblower, you know, Bill Browder on the show, he blew the whistle on the Kremlin, which he'd been cooperating with all along. He blew the whistle on the Kremlin, and lots of people said, well, why didn't you do something sooner, like you, like you might have said about Congress if they flipped. You know, there has to be some time where the indignity of standing on your feet clapping like you're clapping for Stalin. And we know, because they leak all the time, how many people hate him. We know that Ryan and Corker just decided we can't do this anymore. And we know that the people around Trump all hate him. They leak like sieves, telling us that. And someone, and it only takes four or five, will just say, it's just not worth it. Yeah, I, I don't think we have a, a lot of potential profiles in courage. I, I, mm-hmm. In the Republican Party, I had this strange experience during the State of the Union. I uh, kept the feed on after mm-hmm. the whole thing ended. And, ah. and so when I saw Trump walk out through the hallway, uh, the main hallway, and, and I saw how you could, and you could hear how Republican lawmakers approached him and almost like uh, kissed his hand. This is this is a concept in, mm-hmm. in, 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 in politics in, in, um, in Mexico, for example, el, el besamanos, no? Yeah. That's a concept. You kiss yeah. hands. Like, yeah. And Mr. President, great job, Mr. President, Mr. President. Could you sign my tie, Mr. President, Mr. President? So there's a cult <laughs> there. Yeah. There's a cult there. So I don't think we're going to see anyone emerge. Uh, back in the day, I was hoping, and back in the day, it means a while ago, I was hoping that Marco Rubio could emerge as a real, exactly, as a real contender uh, versus Trump in these years, or vis-a-vis Trump in these years. And there's no one. 
There's mm -hmm. no one. McCain mm -hmm. had that final wonderful act of courage and then he left, right? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So it's his party, like, like I was saying, and, and it's very clearly his party. You could see it also, also in, the, in the polls after the speech. I mean, what was it? 85% of Republicans or even 90% thought the, 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 the speech was not only normal and, but wonderful. That's terrifying, right. Virginia. Terrifying. Well, there Those has, numbers. on the Republican, massive Republican support forum, there has been some speculation, I think some evidence even, that it's only people who approve of Trump who identify as Republicans still. That people have, even if they voted Republican in the last election, they will answer the first question, what's your political party? I'm an independent, because being a Republican is being for Trump, as you just said. So I'm not sure in the electorate how many people who are Republicans four years ago support Trump and consider themselves Republican. The two things go together. I wouldn't know because we're in California and here... <laughs> yeah, the Republican Party... They're almost like, extinct. Like, yeah. died here last year. Like That's someone, absolutely right. You have They've been dying for a while. <laughs> Devin so. Nunes, come on. Yes, um. <laughs> you're right. I mean, there are, there are some left, but now, you know, it's Republican registration. It's 25% of the electorate. It's, it's, it's incredible. It's, uh, even Republicans themselves would tell you, California Republicans would admit that the party's dead for at least a generation. Wow. So... I, I bet it'd be easier Welcome to, to California. Yeah. It'd be easier to find <laughs> It'd be easier to find a blockbuster video here than it would be. <laughs> you, are, you are correct. Yes, well, sir. I don't want to hammer away at Congress, but I do have a question then for both of you. I get it that they that it's very hard to break with your party and we saw this in Watergate. I get it that they're worried about losing their constituency by not standing up to the president. Some of it's inertia, some of it's just groupthink. But do you think that there is an element of blackmail when they say things like, or, or a kind of cult psychology? I mean, when the cabinet goes around and they all give their dear leader praise and then tell the New York Times that they're working against him because he's impulsive and because he's, quote, a fucking idiot, which, like, the phrase that was used over and over again by our former Secretary of State. So they're definitely feeling deep contempt and a sense of being compromised while performing this adulation, this welcome to Pyongyang kind of thing. <laughs> and why? Is there a letter that was written to them saying, we're going to show these naked pictures of you if you don't say these things? Or is it something more subtle? I, that so didn't I, stop Rex, Rex Tillerson, so... Yeah, right, we're not <laughs> Naked pictures of Rex Tillerson. <laughs> no, so I, I don't think there's any blackmail. I think it's... So uh, Josh Marshall, the uh, publisher of Talking Points Memo, during the primary referred to uh, referred to a phenomenon he called um not phenomena but something called a dignity wraith that like mm -hmm. the people who sign up with trump they they're hoping to get something some influence and power so something they're hoping to get something positive out of out of the experience mm -hmm. um but the cost of that is that they essentially sacrifice all of their dignity yes. to donald trump yeah. they kind of just it's put on an altar and you know it's just like you know, Abraham stabs it in the heart um, and it's been sacrificed. And after that process, they're sort of like, in his words, dignity raised. They, they have no, they're sort of like these, these, uh, these disembodied beings. A wraith like W-R-A. Like yeah, 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 got it. Sorry. Um, I, as you can see, I am drinking a, a, a cup of wine. Um, so my pronunciation may not be as great as it ought to be. Uh, I'll, I'll work on that. 
Um, but they just like, completely like dignity. And so I think that's probably what's happening. It's not so mm-hmm. much that there's any blackmail or that uh, Trump has anything on them, but all these people from Mike Pence to Mick Mulvaney mm-hmm. and, and whomever, they, they signed up with Trump thinking that they would get something, that it would advance their careers, mm-hmm. that it would position themselves for future success. And the cost of doing that is apologizing for this man who very clearly should not be president of the United States, <laughs> who, who on the list of things he's, he, he, he's qualified to run, <laughs> I'm not sure like <laughs> anything gets higher than sort of like playground attendant, right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, and even then... Even, I was going to say... Kids, even then, you know... Uh, yeah, like I wouldn't trust him to run a McDonald's. I re- I was um a couple a couple like last week I went to go get an egg McMuffin and it was it was like seven a.m. in the morning and the McDonald's was just like a fucking machine, <laughs> right, right? Right, 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 sort of like. <laughs> Six people yep. going back and forth, getting everyone's stuff. I wouldn't trust Donald Trump to run that. No way. Uh, no way. It wouldn't work out. So they have to apologize for this guy who is plainly not capable of doing the job. And in order to do that, you basically have to sacrifice your self-respect. Mm-hmm. And so what I think it, it, it is is a strange dynamic where they're aware that they sacrifice their self, self-respect. They're not sure how to get out of it. Mm-hmm. And so the path of least resistance is just to continue doing it, to yeah. continue acting as if this guy is, you know, the the second coming of Abraham Lincoln. Mm-hmm. Uh, the, he's the great emancipator reborn versus, I don't know, a giant dipshit. Yeah. <laughs> that uh, sounds about right. I, I what think, do you think the solution Leon? would be to offer everyone there right now a gigantic book deal. Yes. <laughs> because, <laughs> I mean... Yeah. Yeah. Maybe, yeah. maybe, I mean, if, you, if everyone writes a book, then everyone can leave now. Yes, and, I mean, right. let's cut to a chase, right? Yeah. Right. The, uh, the, right. Maybe so that's... The, if it's blackmail bribery, they could get the book deal and be Omarosa and be on Dancing with the Stars or get a har- post at Harvard like Sean Spicer. So that's the bribery part to get out. And then the blackmail is there are a lot of people who really hung on to Donald Trump and they look like Michael Cohen and Paul Manafort. Well, let, let me tell you, I mean, that was my second point. I, I really do think that history doesn't forgive Mm-mm. or forget no. indignity. That's right. I mean, I go back to uh, Colin Powell, a man whom I, I admired uh, and I thought was, was an example of the best of America, uh, a, a smart, even wise man. And then his years with the Bush administration and those moments mm-hmm. in the UN when he had to advocate for, a, for an unjust mm-hmm. war will, will never be forgotten and should never be forgotten. Yeah. So, I mean, I always try to, I always uh, think what's going to happen with Trump himself, the Trump family, and that inner circle of Trumpians. And I do think, for example, for Trump's family, that when we, when we, if we would jump ahead, let's say, 10 years, I think the whole presidency and this whole stunt of running for president will prove to be a tragic event for the whole Trump family. They yeah. will look back at it, and it will be a, a tragedy for the family, and it will be a tragedy for the business. Mm-hmm. It will be the worst decision they made as a family and mm-hmm. as a business. And part of it has to do with, with this indignity of the government they've built and the style of governing they've built. Uh, I do believe that history doesn't forgive indignity. I think it's a really good point. It is I, a good point. I, think, I think you're absolutely right with, with Powell, that a, a man who had the support and respect of pretty much every single 
you know, person in the United States who, if he wanted to be president, probably mm-hmm. could have Absolutely. been president, mm-hmm. is his legacy is just completely tied to the Iraq war. And in the same way, the people who have signed up with Trump, their legacy is now tied to Trump. And so what other choice? I mean, they obviously have other choices, but thinking in terms of just their immediate self-interest, for them, what other choice should they have mm-hmm. than to just com- continue to be on this guy's side because the best possible option is that he in some way wins mm-hmm. and thus mm-hmm. they don't appear to be complete losers. But like if if he loses re-election and if, if that happens, the immediate thing which will happen in American political culture is to say, what a crazy four years that was. What a horrible mistake. Let's forget it. Then everyone who was associated with Trump it's going to really struggle to try to come out of it with any sort of career or dignity or, de- or, dignity or decent standing or, or whatsoever. They'll have a book deal. There was a kind of brilliant tweet to this point about, we like to imagine a time where 10 years from now, if a yearbook photo of you surfaced wearing a red hat, it would ruin your career. That that alone would be like, you know, Prince Philip giving the Nazi salute, or just other proximities. And and Colin Powell's such a perfect example. There are other people, too, now, not just, like, sleazy all the way along, like Michael Cohen, but they're, you know, Giuliani was America's mayor. Oprah thought he was amazing. And Giuliani's first line in his obituary is not going to be he was America's mayor, right? He's, like, either go to jail or he's riding this train down. And same with Mike Flynn. I mean, I didn't hold a brief for Mike Flynn, but something, these guys, like, really broke bad, and they won't be forgiven, as you say. They won't even if they don't go to jail. I want to bring out our comedians because they're showbiz and we're in Los Angeles and we're journalists. <laughs> we have Andy Kindler and Jake Johansson here. Welcome, Andy Kindler and Jake Johansson. Look, let me write up front. I do not think President Trump is a very good president. Whoa. <laughs> Wait a second. Where's the limb? Bombs. Pull the limb back Yes, in. Exactly. But, uh, but I'm, I, I'm exhausted. I can't, I can't believe you guys can get together and have a serious conversation all the time about the latest thing that he did wrong. He's relentless. I mean, I am drinking a cup of wine. I'm on morphine. Yeah, I'm on morphine. <laughs> yeah, you got I, morphine? <laughs> yeah, morphine yeah. drip. I only go on social media now until I'm angry, and then I stop. Yeah. So it, it doesn't, that's a good thing about Trump. Is it's a real time saver. <laughs> you know, five, ten minutes and I'm ready for my day. Yeah. To check out. <laughs> I, I get my news by people explaining it to me. Like downstairs, you explain the whole Jeff Bezos thing. Yeah. That's how I know about it. And uh, I'm ready to have an opinion. It, it, by the way, I, <laughs> I explained that exact thing that I explained to you guys to, you know, a bunch of people and my friends and family. And the other night, my brother just said, You are manic. <laughs> And I forgot when I wasn't manic. Like, this right. is really making us... It's affecting you. It's, it's affecting, affecting me. You. And well, you, you really have the new cycle poisoning, you were saying, Jake. Like, it really... I, like, I, can't, I, can't wa- I can't watch and talk about... Also, I can't... I have a hard time... You guys are great. But don't, people, get them, don't get them wrong. Yeah don't, yeah, don't get me wrong. You guys are great. But people trying to explain what's going to happen next or, or, or what oh, yeah. is going to be like 10 years from now, I, I feel like that's over. No, nobody knows what's going to oh. happen next because nobody knew this was... The people who voted for him didn't think he was going to get elected. He didn't think he was going to... We're in surprise time. Surprise time. I, I'm, I don't yes. like these kind of surprises. The only thing I want to do is to compare uh, Trump... I've been comparing Trump to Hitler for many, many years. <laughs> 
I'm Jewish. We compare everybody to Hitler. <laughs> I've compared uh, Bill Maher to Hitler, except at least Hitler was likable. But the, <laughs> I've compared Trump to Hitler, except at least Hitler was a veteran. And he was. Yeah, he was. He served in World War I, yeah. and he got poison gas. I'm trying to build sympathy for Hitler. Not... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, think about walk a mile in his boots. <laughs> it finally got to him, Hitler. He killed himself. Maybe. You don't watch the shows I watch, my friend. All right. Have you seen the body? I rest my case. <laughs> He's still in Argentina. They go, look at that elderly curmudgeon limping. I never could get that joke to work in my act. Uh, oh. it didn't work <laughs> I yet. love talking about him in Argentina. I, I think it's right on. But do you get in trouble? Is yes. It, isn't there a rule that you're not, if once you lose when you mention Godwin, I don't know if I can say this, but Godwin can kiss my ass. Okay, I'll yeah, tell how'd you, that. you do that? Yeah, Godwin's law is, uh, was basically a law which in its time maybe made sense, but the idea was that anytime you bring Hitler into a conversation, you lose the conversation you, right. because you make it ridiculous. To me, it doesn't get started till Hitler <laughs> comes into the conversation. It's not a marital spat until the other okay. person's Hitler. Hitler's, <laughs> Hitler's like salt to you. you need, it's part of every meal. I need it. And he's also, if you look at, like, just, I encourage anybody to look at pictures of uh, Mussolini. Yeah. And if you don't see the Trump Mussolini connection, this is, a, you know, they, they joked about Hitler that he was crazy. You know, in Germany, he's always oh, not going to get anywhere. In fact, they, they bargained to give him more power. They said the same thing. I, yes, Hitler was smarter than Trump, which sounds weird to say, but <laughs> don't be fooled by the fact that he's crazy. He's not your father's Nazi. <laughs> I think Mussolini and Trump have the same hair. Yeah. That's, that's, a, that's a joke hair. for history books. They did this yeah. thing all the time. <laughs> but at the end, Mussolini blamed the, the Italian people at the end. He blamed the Italian oh, people. Does wow. it ring a bell? Well, Hitler blamed, at least on Downfall, the movie where I learn a lot about history, Hitler blamed the SS, so he blamed the same way Trump now blames his intelligence services. I did punch up on that uh, movie, Downfall. Did you? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I had one scene where I had a guy come in and go, I just got back from Hitler's bunker. Is he acting odd? <laughs> and the joke would be, he already was odd. Do you guys think this time the Trump presidency has been good for comedy or bad? For oh, comedy? I think it's the greatest thing for comedy. But, you know, uh, it's not the greatest thing because I don't want I don't wanna end, have the whole world explode because uh, I have good material, you know? <laughs> but, so? but, but, it, oh. but it's like there was a time period where nobody wanted to talk about politics. So the fact that they want to talk about politics is, is good. But still, this whole, it's just there's so much anger and I, and I can't stand anybody with it, you know, when they were arguing about, well, I wonder if that guy with the uh, Trump hat, what, what his intentions were. A Trump hat is a swastika. There's no, there's no other reason why you wear a Make America Great Again hat. It means you're a Nazi or a new version of a Nazi. And, uh, or you're a member of the alt-right. Hey, kids, do you hate the Jews and also hate, love bad graphics? <laughs> Check out the all right. I, 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 I feel like some of the Trump supporters certainly are racist, terrible Nazis. Oh no! But this I is think a all of them now. Lockstep but fail. If I, I just ever. don't understand how they could all, all. I think some of them are doing it just to make you mad, Andy. 
I really think that there's some. Would you tell me that in Germany in 1937? Andy, take it easy. Well, okay. Crystal Nacht. It's one night. <laughs> Relax. So your 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 cousin your uncle's shop was knocked off. Just really a little blow over. I hope I'm I hope I'm wrong when I say that I don't think Trump is Hitler, but or I hope I'm not wrong. What? <laughs> now you got me confused. You, you don't I, want him to be Hitler. I don't want him to be Hitler, but I also feel like that's a that's the bar is pretty high for this dum dum. The idea that he could be a, a Russian secret agent, it, it's, it's an insult to secret agents. Well, he wouldn't know that he was being manipulated by the Russians because he doesn't know anything that's happening to him. I, I mean, mm. to go back to what you said earlier, there's something to the idea that Trump is just sort of really, like, he just doesn't know what he's doing. He's sort of over his head because you, you, you read reports about his schedule every day. So what is the president doing today? Well, he has executive time. From ten to four, you know, I then love like, executive get like time. We'll get like we get like a burger and some and some and some diet coke, and we'll just go back to executive time. Now, <laughs> for political reporters, it's like oh, the president just isn't doing anything. But if you look at that from the perspective of a normal person, it's like oh, he's depressed. Right. He's mm-hmm. he's he's in his residence all day, <laughs> maybe in a bathrobe. Watching TV, eating shitty food, on and like bed. and like yeah. yelling about it on the internet. He may and be depressed because what he was really hoping for was that this whole run for president was going to jack his ratings, and he would be able to have his TV show. Right. right. He he and thought so. He might be depressed. He right thought now. being president would be sort of like being kind of like a king. It's like uh, it's like you know you tell people what to do, you get a lot of fancy stuff. No, it's a job, and he's never really had a job before. So mm-hmm. he's just depressed. And so these cabinet meetings, it's all these people mm-hmm. who are just kind of like, hey, no, it's okay. Yeah. It's all right. Yeah. We, just yeah, get on out like there. You're still he's good. He's like a kid. You're like, you're doing your best. You're yeah. really trying. This is something Leon and I, right, after post-Hitler, we were talking about how after something like the State of the Union or even with this Bezos thing, what you want to talk about and – I am with you. I started with the dick jokes. But what you want to talk about is the funny stuff and the reality TV. But we're getting a body count on Trump's watch now. We have children dead at the border. We have Jamal Khashoggi tortured, murdered with a bone saw, with, seemingly with some kind of you know, accomplice after the fact. And people killed in these brown shirt attacks, including Heather Heyer, by the brown shirts I now think of as red hats. Like, why not just call them red hats? I'm with Andy. I think that that's what they're trying to signify with that way of dressing. I have a joke in my act, and every time I do the joke, it shocks people, even in, like, alternative clubs. But the joke is, Donald Trump is going to put us all in Trump-centration camps. Mm -hmm. The greatest concentration camps Mm -hmm. ever made. I will get the Jews to pay for the camps. (laughs) Right. Now, these people will understand, but most of the time, nobody even knows the reference that I'm saying we'll get Mexico to build the wall. That's the reference, and that's a direct social commentary based on the Jews. Yeah. People either get shocked or they don't even know the references because so much has happened. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's like, I think we're all living in a... But I, it, it can be funny, but it can't be funny, you know, like, hey, this is a lot of great material. Well, it's the eerie confusion of the whole yeah. thing. I mean, that's, I think, Leon's point after the, well, State of the Union, why don't you just say what you were saying about the Pelosi no. meme? No, I mean, I, mean I, I, I was just saying that I think one of, the, one of the reasons why one 
can be optimistic about the future of this of this country is the health of satire and comedy. I think it's yes. fantastic and, and incredibly necessary. Mm -hmm. And if we didn't have it, believe me, you would miss it. But I think there's a fine line between not necessarily satire and frivolity. I, I wouldn't draw a line there because there's no point in comparing the two. But I do think that having said uh, what I said about satire, I think we have to talk about frivolity and the coverage of Trump. Because if we, for example, the State of the Union, if we focus on the, the Nancy Pelosi clapping memes and the sarcastic clap and Nancy and the Pelosi clap and the, the wardrobe cho choices of the Democratic female Congress members, the, the Congress women, that, that was very clearly symbolic and incredibly important. I'm not taking anything away from that. But if we focus on that and the way that Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez was dressed and how she walked into the chamber, and we forget to really examine Again, and I could use other examples, but again, just what he said, what this guy said about immigrants, about the immigrant experience, about the border, how his nativist rhetoric has become worse, uh, and the effect that has on, on people in America. I mean, nowadays, 75%, three out of four Republican voters, according to a Pew Research poll, recent poll, uh, identify... I illegal immigration as the, the, this country's biggest problem. Mm. Not uh, salary disparity or uh, opioid addiction or gun violence. The presence of illegal immigrants. So whether or not it's because Trump is dumb or Trump is Hitler-like, the effect of his rhetoric, of his style of governing, is incredibly toxic. And I just, don't, I just would say that we should never normalize mm -hmm. this man. Mm -hmm. I agree. I want to talk about the great state of California because we're here. Three of us are from California and you both live in California, right? And Leon writes a lot about it. And California, unlike Virginia, sorry to do this, is emerging as like the... Tip of the spear. The, what's that? Tip of the spear. Tip of the spear. That's Epicenter of the resistance. At the center I'm of the resistance. I'm not leaving. I mean, it's great. It I mean, why would you? It's incredible. It's Kamala Harris... Adam Schiff, I mean, people who've like really distinguished themselves, Nancy Pelosi, ladies and gentlemen. Ted Lou. Nancy Pelosi. Ted, Ted Lou. Lou. Ted Lou. And Ted Lou is out. Javier Becerra, Kevin De Leon. The list is really long. Of, Wait, of, say of, those of... last two names again. <laughs> <laughs> okay, no. Okay. Javier Becerra, Kevin De Leon. Pasto de, Come de on, Leon. Virginia. That's like such a corny. I just like say Spanish names. Okay. <laughs> How did this happen? What happened to Nixon country? What happened to Orange County? That's, 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 and what happened to Reaganites? That's a, that's, a great, that's a great question. They disappeared, which is fantastic, I think, because it's, it's been happening for a while in the state of California. And what happened during the midterms uh, was extraordinary. I mean, elsewhere in the country, we, we saw a, a blue wave, but in California, it was a, a tsunami. Orange County, like you, like you mentioned, was, was yeah. especially impressive. Yeah. Always considered a, a conservative stronghold, a Republican stronghold. Cities, I remember covering this story recently, cities in, in, in Orange County fought to the nail against California's uh, sanctuary laws. But last year, Democrats simply swept the region. I wasn't expecting something like that at all, but they swept the region. And I think the, 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 the reason is, well, of course, first of all, the, the, Trump, the Trump backlash was absolute. 
Uh, we saw young people voting, we saw minorities voting, we saw the Hispanic vote grew, not, I mean, in the way it should grow in the future, but it, it certainly increased from 2014 to 2018. And uh, like I said before, even Republicans would admit right now that the, the, the party is lost here for at least a generation. Under 25% uh, of California voters are, are Republicans now. The whole state is dominated by Democrats. Both state senators are Democrats. The governor, uh, Gavin Newsom, the previous governor, the mayors mm -hmm. of the state's biggest cities, the Democrats hold a supermajority in the Congress. Plus, like you mentioned, the current generation of California politicians is, is really... Incredible. Mm -hmm. I didn't know, and it really surprised me, that there has never been some, a politician from California or someone from California who has been on a Democratic ticket for president. The Democrat, has there ever been a Democratic president from California? No, right? Never, no. No, but not even we a candidate for, even a for candidate. president or vice presidential candidate. Right. No one on the ticket from California. And two of the iconic Republican presidents of our, you know, in Absolutely. recent memory. I think it's a safe bet. I don't know what you think, Jamel, that at least we'll have someone from California on the ballot. I think Kamala Harris, I don't know if she'll be at the top of the ticket, but I think it's a pretty safe bet, although I know that you have your doubts, and it's very interesting, that's why I ask, why I ask you. I think she'll be on the ticket. What do you think? I mean, I think, and quick parenthetical here, this is not an endorsement of anything. This is just sort of like what I think may happen. But I think she stands actually a very good chance of being the nominee. I think wow. she kind of... If if you look at um if you look at 2018 and what Democratic voters seemed to really want in candidates, they wanted women candidates, even women of color candidates, the the people who have sort of like rocketed to the top of kind of the Democratic the Democratic stars have all been women of color. I think if you just look at where Democratic primary voters are giving their attention, giving their their dollars, giving their votes, they're giving it the candidates not unlike Kamala Harris. Mm -hmm. And so just by that alone, I think that is a pretty strong signal. You look at her campaign rollout, she raised a ton of money in the mm -hmm. first 24 hours. She is one of, I think, a handful of candidates who actually got a major boost in public standing from her rollout. She's facing criticism from the left on her uh, record as a prosecutor, um, which is a very big deal. And we'll Remain to be seen how that plays out in actual primary or the primary sequence. But she has this very strong position. California's been bumped up a bit in the calendar for the primaries. Mm -hmm. And early voting for the California Democratic primary begins when Iowa voting starts. Mm -hmm. And so there's this way in which she doesn't really need to win or do that well in Iowa, New Hampshire, because people already be voting in the largest primary of the entire cycle. So I don't know. I don't. I mean, I, I think your I think your sense that the Californian will be on the ballot is probably right, and and I think that Californian's gonna. There's a very strong chance that Californian will be Senator Harris for like reasons that have little to do with you know her ca campaign as it stands, but a lot to do with what Democratic voters seem really want now seem to be looking for. I agree. I want a prosecutor. I'm in a prosecutorial mood. state of mind. <laughs> I don't think you, I don't think That's you're alone. I, like I think her. I think a lot of people feel feel that way. I think. I mean, the pendulum will swing back, and I will hate prosecutorial zeal and DAs running for office trying to get scalps or whatever. But right now, I want a lot of scalps. Um, the Klobuchar is in town. Right? Klobuchar is also yeah someone I like too. Um, I love that there's so many women that you don't think of like. 
am I for the woman or the not woman? <laughs> like it's just the not even part of it. Um, Jake, I want you to have the last word on this and then I am going to go to some questions from All right. Twitter. Well, I'm excited about women of color also. White guys have had a good run. But, uh, <laughs> and, and I would also go back to what you were talking about with California and the election here and the shift to Democrats. Now, I think that that is great. Uh, but some of those people, I think, might have been Trump voters who have changed their mind and who have woken mm, it up. Absolutely. And, and I think that that's, that's the effect that he's having is like he's turned mm -hmm. people off of white guys. Right. You know, right. and, and they're just saying, look, we need something different. And it's and, like Brett Kavanaugh like can fix himself. He can fix here. himself. So from Logic Hobbit, I just really like your handle, Logic Hobbit, on Twitter. How would we, should we think about the risk of post-presidency, non-incarcerated Donald Trump would pose to national security? He would immediately, <laughs> so we haven't talked very much about my favorite topic, which is the fact that we have a Russian asset agent in the White House. But anyway, if he's out, would he continue to pose a threat to national security? Would he, he'd immediately trade whatever bits of top secret info he learned as POTUS to the highest bidder without a second thought. Does that seem dangerous? Anyone wants want to take this? If he doesn't walk out into handcuffs. I am building altars to him being in prison. I want the whole family in prison. They want the entire family in prison. I want it to be filmed. And do you want tennis prison with butterscotch pudding on Friday, Wednesdays? Well, or do you I'm want Supermax with nothing? I just want to make sure he's just that he's humiliated. I want him to be humiliated on a daily basis. He'll be humiliated on a daily basis. Uh, uh, not necessarily in jail, but I, I think that the post-presidency life of Donald Trump regarding his legal troubles is going to be very sad. Mm -hmm. Very, very sad. And I mean, mark my words, we, we'll be back here, maybe not with a Trump cast, or with a different podcast, mm -hmm. and we'll look back at that sort of conclusion, and you'll see that I'll be proven right. I don't see how he will emerge with any sense of dignity, mm -hmm. how he will be respected. And again, history does not forgive indignity. And vulgarity plus indignity, even less so, especially in the United States of America. If he loses in 2020... If he loses, if he serves a full eight years, even um, it's it's this is going to be this is going to be thought of as like a very strange time in America's history, and I don't think anyone's going to like look back fondly on it. No, or I'll say no one other than like maniacs going to look back fondly <laughs> on it. And so when he leaves office, I think I think I think that's right. It'll be for him. Um, there won't be no trying to sell secrets or whatever. He'll just be kind of like a lonely old man. Mm -hmm. um, I, I think. I actually think that the post-presidency I have in mind is Lyndon Johnson's. He leaves office. He doesn't run for re-election. He leaves office. And then he, he, he dies a couple, five years later yeah. um, once, he's out of, once he's out of politics. I don't, Without that Robert Caro. I'm not saying Trump is going to like pass away shortly after, but that kind of like fading into obscurity, which used to happen to presidents a lot. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's only been in the last 30 years that, you know, after you serve as president, you become kind of like a minor celebrity. It used to be that if you didn't die in office or die immediately after leaving office, you kind of just disappeared. And Back like, privately. you know, yeah. people were like, hey, you remember that guy who used to be president? <laughs> That's like an interesting Throw point. rocks at your house. Like, hey, that guy used to be the president. I mean, Jimmy Carter doesn't do a lot of reality TV. But otherwise, they do seem <laughs> to like really. They do. Seem to Jimmy like Carter's the, unusual in, yeah. in how prominent he is. But yeah. Harry S. Truman kind of just faded yeah. away. Johnson faded away. Nixon even 
faded away a mm-hmm. bit. He, he pops mm-hmm. up here and there, but it's not a big deal. And I think that's going to be what happens to Trump, unless the news media decides that like Trump and post presidency is is as compelling a story <laughs> as Trump as president. The thing that will happen to him if he does not face any legal troubles is still just kind of like fade into obscurity. It'll be like you yeah. know, hey, remember that time we liked a Donald Trump president? Some wild shit that happened. Thank you so much for being with us. Thank you, Jake. Thank you, Andy. Thank you, Leon. Thank you, Jamel. I'm Virginia Heffernan. Thanks for listening to Trumpcast. 